Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the Men's Advocate Show with me, your host, Linda Gross. I am wired and excited to tell you about today's show. We're going to be talking about a different slant on parental alienation, and that's from the child's point of view. Um, of course, he's no longer a child. My guest uh, is no longer a child, but after many years of thinking this over and thinking it through and maturing and so forth, he's going to give you the child's angle. And once you know the child's angle, you can then figure out how to keep that child tethered to you, how to keep him him or her connected to you and that's what we're going to explore today so if you've got a child who refuses to speak to you he or she rejects your love denies your involvement in their life guess what they're acting out of anger and hurt it's not their fault you know they're still you know not mature enough to comprehend what's wrong and how to make it right and frankly, it's not their job to do this. It should be the parents' job to help keep them sane and safe and, you know, in a, in a reasonably, you know, rational household. But that's not the case. Unfortunately, your ex is alienating that child from you, turning that child against you. And for whatever reason, that parent is using that child as a pawn perhaps to get even with you, the parent. So the child, um, you know, you feel hollow and broken as your relationship slips away. The child feels distressed and conflicted without really knowing why they're, they're feeling such stress. You know, they know something is amiss, but since they don't have a good template on what a normal household should look like, they have nothing to compare it to. So it's a real stressful situation for the child as well, as well as being stressful for you. So we're going to climb into that child's mind to see what we can do to mend that relationship and help make the child uh, be as okay as the situation allows. So we're joined by my guest today. His name is Ryan Thomas, and he has um, he, he has a website. The website is ryanthomasspeaks.com. That's ryanthomasspeaks.com. Don't worry, I have all these links. Uh, I'll post them after the show. And on his website, you can... His website includes lots of videos, free training, as well as his online courses. He even has an online TV show uh, called RyanThomasTV.com. And, of course, he's written a book called Sabotaged. So these are three hidden weapons of parental alienation. So let's uh, have a warm welcome for my guest today, Ryan Thomas. Well, thanks so much. It's such a pleasure to be here. I'm really excited to be able to share some ideas, some strategies, and the behind-the-scenes sort of insider information that parents can use. As you mentioned, once you understand your child, you can best know how to reconnect with them and, and use and apply strategies and tools. I always say, you know, before you can fix a car, you have to know how the car works. And yeah. with an alienated child, unfortunately, uh, the template for uh, a, a normal loving child that's brought up in a, in a loving household has been thrown out the window. Their mind has been changed, has been manipulated against you. So we have to understand really what's going on so that the, the strategies and your attempts actually have a chance of working because it's it really is the twilight zone you know the world is upside down if you're a parent who has a child who rejects you seemingly for no reason and it's very very difficult because everything you do your loving well-meaning uh, attempts to connect with your child just completely backfire on you and you can't understand why and it truly is because you're just in the in the twilight zone and it's an awful thing and it was an awful realization for me to realize what I had done to my dad for, 
you know, two decades. We lost a, a relationship for two decades, and uh, wow. it was very, very difficult to finally have that light bulb moment. So uh, that's why I really am uh, passionate about sharing what did I learn, what could I have told my dad in, in this situation. My dad was the alienated parent. What could I have told him or what could he have known that could have had a chance of us repairing our relationship uh, instead of waiting until my late 20s uh, to realize the truth. Wow, that's crazy. Um, you know, I'm I'm eager to hear what that light bulb moment is. Uh, I kind of wanted to share a little bit of my own story. Um, my ex and I divorced when my child was seven years old, and you know, he was the he was the alienating parent. He was full of lies and making up stories, and you know how bad of a parent I was, and goodness knows what he was telling my my child but it was all bad so what she did is she rebelled during those years you know from age seven until all of her teen years she was a horrible child to me i mean just super high maintenance just you know everything that possibly could go wrong from her end from our relationship she was just that dastardly child that you know you just would not behave and, you know, as I look back on those years as to why that occurred, you know, people become alienating parents for various reasons. In my case, it was my ex just didn't want to pay child support. He just didn't feel like he wanted to take that out of his paycheck. And he didn't feel he had to or wanted to. Of course, the law says you do have to. But that's what the anger was about. And unfortunately, he used the child as a pawn to you know get rid of his anger i guess now right. the good news in it for me is luckily the minute she got out of the house which was at age 18 all it all came to full circle and she then realized because she was away from him now the child support was over with she wasn't under his uh you know under his uh spell under his spell and under his claws you know as it were she finally got a minute to like think for herself to realize just who is the solid parent and are these accusations true or not and i really thought that day was never going to come i really thought it was going to take for her to be 30 years old to come full circle to the realization and as parents who are listening out there i would just say as frustrated as you are, as gaslight as the other parent is making you, just stay consistent. Don't, like, have an anger attack in front of the child because, you know, you're trying to retaliate against the ex. But just if you are a solid citizen and a loving parent, just that's the face that you show your child. And sooner or later, in my case, it was actually sooner um, that she came to the realization and now we are the best of friends and have the best relationship and it is 180 degrees from how it was during her teen years. So Amazing. That's a it's great crazy. story. And, I'm so glad and, to hear that. Yeah, definitely. So, And people, you know, I hear these stories because this is a topic that I do often in various different ways and there are various reasons as to why um, the parent chooses to be an alienating parent, I would say more often than not, it has to do with abandonment issues that they themselves faced when they were, for example, eight years old themselves. And you know what? They never healed from that, and they never addressed it. And here it is, you know, 20, 30, 40 years later, and because the two of you are now, are now getting a divorce, all that open wound is coming to the surface, and that's why they're taking it out on you. It's not for something that you did necessarily, but it's for something that her or his original parent did to them when they were the child. So anyway, let's bring this full circle. You've been that. You're looking at this story from the child's eye, which is a new take for me, and I wanted to find out what was that light bulb moment for you that made you realize that, hey, dad's not such a bad guy after all, and I do want to spend time with him? 
Right. For me, really what it was, of course, this was in my late 20s. So I was really a late bloomer. I was not the child that, well, once they go away to high school, once they get out of the house, they'll come running back. They'll make the first phone call to me. So my light bulb moment was when the alienator, which in this case was my mom, when she had gotten rid of my dad, an alienator doesn't change their spots. They are absolutely petrified of other people who can have influence in their child's life because then that means that they're not the the be-all and end-all and, and they lose control. So it was when my, uh, I, you know, all through my life, any type of girlfriend or friendship had to be broken up because that was an influence that wasn't according to their playbook. So I my light bulb moment really wasn't even about my dad. Uh, my light bulb moment was when my mom, the alienator, used the same tools and tricks and awful strategies to start alienating me against my own wife. And oh, so wow. I was I was married and it was, you know, she basically said, you know, she felt like she married into a cult and I was completely oblivious to it. But I didn't realize it when I just thought, well, this is how they've always been. This is the way they are. This is the way my family is. But when it really started creeping into my adult life and being like, wait, why, why are you, you know, questioning and trying to control every little piece of my life? And then I started pushing back. Eventually, um, I started hearing the same things, the same criticisms of my wife that they were using on my dad. And I was like, wait a minute, this is this is exactly playing out the way it happened with dad. And so I had invited my dad to my wedding. That was the first time I had seen him in about 10 years. And I, I did it because I didn't want to regret it. So I kind of just, hey, I'll invite him. But that was it. And so as all of this, once I got married, it was like a, 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 a switch went off. And that's when they went into full blown alienation of my wife. So my dad's got this, you know, sort of little thread of a relationship with me. And I call him up and I'm like, I want to know your story. And he's like, no, 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 let's not go through this. You know, he didn't want to make any mistake. I mean, talk about walking on eggshells. And here I am asking him, hey, can you give me your side of the story? Because so much of it in terms of what, you know, this is alienation is often generational as well. We have learned behavior. So typically, whether it's up a maternal line or a a father's side, you always have this belief that, you know, the men are no good or the women in this family are no good. And you always have to kick one side to the curb. And and so that had been played out and I had heard that story. So all of a sudden everything started connecting. I wanted to hear from my dad reluctantly. And finally, my dad shared with me what was going on in his marriage to my mom, where my grandparents were, were doing the alienation in his marriage, which then ultimately continued into our relationship. And the story that he told me it, of him living as an adult was the exact same story that I was living with. And so then like dominoes, I just had this, my world went upside down because I realized, oh my gosh, I have said and done awful things and rejected this man and he didn't deserve it. And yet I was still so, so attached to this belief that my family, my mom and my grandparents and my aunt, you know, they were everything to me. But then I realized, but that was all from design. I talk about uh, an alienation. People typically think of, oh, the other person is the alienator. But there is actually what I call a regime that is controlling. So it's typically, yes, the parent, but it can also be that the alienator's parents or sisters. So you've talked about the grandparents, the aunts, the uncles. Everybody gangs up on this one parent. And as a child, you go, well, it's five against one, three against one. The alienator will turn neighbors against, uh, you know, the, the, the target parent. And so all of a sudden, as a child, you go, well, everybody can't be wrong. And so that was really that that intense control that I felt, even when I realized the truth and the, oh, my gosh, what have I done it was it was so, so difficult to break free because I knew that any pushback from that from from me to the to the regime, to the alienator, even though I was an adult, was going to cause World War three. And that's exactly what happened. So when you take 
knowing being brought up in that environment and only really knowing that one person, one parent has the influence and the control. The other person has been the other parent has been dehumanized. They're not a real parent. They've been degraded. You feel like, how could I possibly switch allegiances at this point? And so when I recognize how difficult it was for me in my 20s, that's where I can start applying and understanding and helping parents understand this. Imagine now your child is eight years old. Imagine they're 13 years old. Imagine that they're 15 years old and they're trying to come into their own and they're under this immense pressure. Uh, it is so, so difficult. And then oftentimes you look to the court system to help sort all this out. And then that's like throwing gasoline on an already awful situation, which can be very difficult as well. And the poor child, you know, they're, what they're experiencing, I think, is like a survival mechanism. I mean, the, that child needs to depend on the, the custodial parent to put food on the table and put a roof over their head, right? Absolutely. So you're not, you're not going to shoot yourself in the foot and run away from the custodial parent. You're kind of going to buy into whatever that person says, a he or a she, whatever that person says, because you've got to survive. As an eight-year-old kid, you can't run out and get a job to pay right. for these things yourself. So, I mean, I get it. Instinctually, you know, they're in survival mode as well. So Definitely. Definitely. it's just, it's such a horrible uh, situation. And wow, wow, what an eye-opener to your story i never even really thought about you know the generational thing and you know once she got done picking on your dad now she was you know using the same tactics to pick on your new wife wow i'm so yeah. glad you were able to put the pieces together like that because that's very important well and i think it's also important thank you and i think what's also important for parents to understand is I've really identified, you know, I've now worked with parents in over 25 countries. So this has gone, luckily for me, I've been able to transition my experiences to help other people. But now I have so many more case studies to, to pull from and so much data to pull from that I've really identified that there's two types of alienated children is there's the oblivious child and then there's the hostage child. Uh, for a large majority of my life, I was the oblivious child. I just believed everything. I always wanted to have my dad. I always loved my dad, but it, again, it wasn't acceptable. But for the most part, I believed everything that my mom and the regime told me lock, stock, and barrel. There are other children who <laughs> I love are, how you call it the regime because it's true. It's like that alienating parent is not, you know, working in a silo. I mean, she's, right. she's he or she has a, a posse of collaborators to make all this happen. Exactly. And then the other child is the hostage child. This is the one that actually knows what's going on. Uh, maybe, you know, probably your child was more on that hostage child. They're playing the game. They're doing what they have to do. They're conflicted. They're lashing out. They're saying what they need to say. They're, they're saying, I don't want your gifts. I don't want you coming to the game. I don't want you showing up at school. Uh, but inside, they really know kind of what's going on. But in either cases, the longer the alienation, it's sort of like the Stockholm syndrome. You know, you eventually just let your guard down and accept the reality of your hostage taker and, and in order to survive. That's oftentimes what happens. So that's where my work is always focused on how can you connect to that inner child within the inner child within all of us that I mean, heck, we go on. Facebook and somebody doesn't like something that we said and we get triggered emotionally. Oh, why? I don't care what they think. You know, we want to be loved and to be accepted. Children are the exact same thing. They want to love both parents. They want to feel that both parents love them. No child wants to feel like, oh, yeah, your father doesn't care about you. He abandoned you or your mother chooses other things over you all the time. She doesn't care about you. No kid wants to truly believe that. So I'm always focused on how can we talk to that inner child that wants to believe, that needs to believe, and wants to have a two-way street uh, of love. That is where it's so important uh, to, to really to really focus on. And um, I, I think one of one of the things that I've discovered, and a lot of times parents will say, you know, why is it that parental alienation 
you know, can, can be so powerful. Why would my kid believe these lies? Why would they understand, you know, why would they, they, you know, this is false. This is not true. This is lies. This is manipulation. And what I've really found is that there is an Achilles heel that each parent who's alienated has. And the way that you can think about it is what makes a great lie? What makes a great lie is the kernel of truth that the liar weaves into the story that makes it ring true. You know, we've all had experiences in life that results in us reluctantly believing a story about another person. You know, that moment that takes us from, oh, I I just couldn't imagine that that's true to, oh, wow, now that I hear that, yeah, it actually does sound like them. And that moment is created by what I call the truth seed. It's when the alienator is able to exploit a valid weakness within the other parent that makes it more believable, makes the lie more believable, you know, and we all have weaknesses. So as an example, let's say as a parent who's listening, you're easily distracted by your smartphone or a business dealing. Now, of course, there's probably been conversations that sound like, oh, put the phone down and pay attention, or why does work always come first? Can't you just enjoy watching practice? And that's true criticism of us, right? It's like, yeah, I really should work on this. But when the truth is exploited, an alienator can use this and integrate it in with a lie that will make it sound like you. So if we kind of use this example, the alienator might say to your child, oh, he abandoned you. He doesn't care anymore. There's always something more important to him, right? Or, you know, she shouldn't be allowed to come to your school concert. It's only going to upset you. You're going to feel worthless. You know, you know that you're never important enough. Why would this time be any different? And so the kid goes, yeah, that's true. And it happens over and over. So eventually the child naturally assumes whatever is attached to this little truth seed is also true. And, and so because no one's perfect, um, you know, it, it's, it's easy to do. Not every person has their former spouse using this to poison their own child against them. But from the child's point of view, when when you then the alienated parent try to set the record straight and tell your child, you know, look, what you think is wrong. No, 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 you've got it wrong. You're you're believing lies. It's not true. The child shuts it down because first and foremost, they know that weakness in you. It sounds like you and it sounds like you trying to make an excuse. So this sparks their anger, their outrage. It creates more damage. Of course, then they go and they share it with the alienator. You think the alienator is going to be there saying, well, you know, now let's keep in mind that sometimes dad or mom is, you know, stressed out. No, they're like, absolutely. It's like I always told you. And so this is where so many alienated parents are absolutely fighting lies and manipulation. But if you can become more aware of how they're using your legitimate weakness that shows you how you can start to change and be the opposite of what it is that they're trying to say by changing your actions and changing your behaviors. And so that the the alienator's playbook and, and you're not following the script gets thrown out the window and you change the game. Very, very good advice. So the, the example of this might be, you know, why are we even bothering to invite dad to your piano recital because you know dad's always on his phone he's always doing work he's probably going to get a phone call during the recital and have to walk out in the hallway anyway and miss the recital anyway so that's probably the logic that they're using so and then they uh, say don't go and then when you don't so you're 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 put in a no-win situation because if you go it'll like what's he doing here or what's she doing here but then if you don't go because, well, the child asked me not to go. The, you think you get credit for that. The alienator goes, look at that. Doesn't even care to come. No one could <laughs> keep me away. Oh, if you're on stage singing, you know, wild horses couldn't drive me away from that. But meanwhile, look at you, just a dope, doesn't even care enough. So that is where it's a no-win situation. So I'm always interested in how can we play a different game that the alienator doesn't even know you're playing and win that way. And that's why I use a lot of stealth tactics to communicate with the child and and to really um, engage with them on a much different level that the alienator doesn't appreciate that says, oh, you don't care about this stuff, but the child really does care about it. Yeah. Now, as the uh, manipulator and 
an alienator, you know, this is a great <laughs> tool to have in, in your toolbox, you know, to use that kernel of truth and twist it around. That's a very effective uh, trait to use. I think that coupled with the fact that the child's brain is just not mature enough. Um, you know, the studies show that our adult brains are not even finished being built until age 25. So, you know, the fact that my daughter figured it out early and, you know, don't you beat yourself up, Ryan, for figuring it out in your mid-20s, actually that's kind of the right age to figure this kind of stuff out. There's a mat there's a maturation level that needs to occur to really put all the pieces together. So you have to have a lot of compassion for your child. You know, when, when the parent says, well, why aren't they able to see through the lies? You know, first of all, you've got a great manipulator, the adult. And secondly, the child just doesn't have the skill set as yet, in most cases, to figure all this out. So we've so got to true. cut the child a little bit of slack there. <laughs> so true. And, and one thing that I'll also add to that that can be very important is that one of the biggest mistakes that I see parents make is that they think that, well, because of that, I'm just going to step back. I'm just going to do nothing. They'll age out. Um, I'm just going to kind of step back and not say anything, um, you know, and, and, uh, and think that it will work itself out. What happens is you have to stay in the game. You have, even if it's one-way communication, consistently over time, you want to create a, a situation where you can say, "I never gave up, no matter what the child said." You know, as long as I'm not legally prohibited from communicating, I'm going to do everything I possibly can. Now that leads you to the idea of, well, what should I be saying? What's the right thing to say? What's the wrong thing? How do I avoid not triggering my child and actually being effective? But if you give up for that one moment and step aside, that's all the child and the alienator needs to say, he gave up on me or she threw in the towel, didn't want to fight for me. So one of the one of the things that I always tell parents is no matter how hard it is, even if it's just once a month, be consistent in your communication and know the right things to say so that you keep yourself in the game so that by the time the child does start to mature, you've played an active role in still being engaged with them. You haven't seeded the battle and say, well, I'll see you in 10 years when you've matured. Those things have to work in tandem together. And I can't tell you how many people that I've heard from that have reunification counselors or therapists that tell them, uh, you know, write your eight-year-old a goodbye letter and tell them, well, because you don't want me in your life, I'm going to step aside and I'll see you when you're, you know, when you're 19, when you're 18. Um, that is something that's really hard. You can go back and say, look, I was, you were lied to, you were manipulated when they're older. But if they bring out the letter that says, no, you told me goodbye, or you told me I'm not going to be in your life anymore, that's a, that's a lot more difficult to overcome. I think there's more regrets that can come in that, and it's harder for the child to eventually accept you. So, so stay in the game and, 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 and use that along with the hopes that, of course, new people, new catalysts in their life as they age, as they mature, things can ultimately unlock. But if you're a, an 11 year old, if you've got an 11 year old and you're thinking that a magic, you know, age is going to come in seven years, that's a long seven years to have to go through contact. So uh, that's where, you know, I always say, you know, don't, don't give up, still be, you know, Obviously, this is so emotionally charged for parents. Do what you need to do to stay mentally healthy um, in terms of you know how much can you really take. It's okay to say, I can't do the every single day text or every week text, but just figure out how often do you want to communicate. Be consistent and, and find a way that's manageable for you so that you're not – I, I hate to say living and breathing it, it's your child, so how can you not? But, but from the standpoint of actively working on it, Literally, I will have parents schedule out their communication so that it's in their calendar. Here's what we're going to say. Here's the gift we're going to send, whether it gets intercepted or sent back. Here's your plan of action. This is strategically how it's going to work. And do it and send it and, and believe that you're doing everything you possibly can. And then go and try to find other areas of happiness in your life, 
um, save your emotion and your frustration for other people who can relate to it and understand it. Don't bring that to your child because a lot of times parents will think, well, if I just share how I'm so upset you've done this to me, it triggers the child. They don't know what to do. They can't handle your guilt. They can't hand, handle the challenge of I can't be loyal to you and this other parent. That's why you always lose, and it just complicates and over – it makes things more dramatic. So find a, just find another outlet that's not your child for those very understandable emotions. I'm number one in line to say that consistently, consistency saved my sanity as well as my future child's relationship. That mm. absolutely was the number one key uh, thing that, that worked for me, and I'm glad you're endorsing that as well. Now, for these other therapists who say write this goodbye letter or take a goodbye position, like I'll see you when you're 18, <laughs> I never in a million years would recommend something like that because the probability that that's going to backfire at some later date is so strong why on earth would you ever send that message? Oh, I know. No. I know. And, and I think it's also you know, good to point out, there. look, there are a lot of very good, very well-meaning therapists and reunification counselors. It's just obviously with it being so widespread – you know, you, you have people that are out there, you know, talking about this and, and they have the degrees and the training and, but I don't need a degree and a training to tell you as a child, you know, that's not the thing that's going to endear your child to you. Um, and, and there are better ways that we can, if the whole idea, cause I think the concept is this stress of you trying to be in your child's life is not helping the child. I would just say we have to find a better way for you to let your child know that you want them, you love them, you're here from them, the door is open, you want to be involved in their life. There's just a better way to go about that. It's just not tapping out. Right. Now, I know a lot of pa parents who are alienated, they figure, okay, well, I'll just buy my kid a cell phone. It'll be, you know, the, the daddy-daughter or the daddy-son cell phone that only the two of us use, and that way the child will respond. Well, a lot of times that doesn't work because the alienating parent takes that cell phone away, so you're still back at square zero. So right. while we're at the break, I want to come back with – how can that parent, the alienated parent, stay in the kid's life when the ex is doing everything in his or her power to make sure that bridge is completely broken? So we'll catch you right back after the break. By the way, if you want have a question for Ryan or myself or a comment or a story, call us at 951-922-3532. Again, that number is 951 922 3532. We'll catch you right back after the break. Hey guys, do you have a nagging problem that you just can't get a handle on? Now you can talk to an expert coach right in the privacy of your own home. Meet in person, over the phone, or with a free Skype call anywhere in the world. Linda is here to make it easy for you. Linda Gross has done years of academic research combined with interviewing over 20,000 men. Linda's expert advice gets you through tackling relationship issues, business goals, conflict resolution, and removing lifetime roadblocks that have kept you back, usually handled in four sessions or less. Realize the benefits now. Go to the Men's Advocate page slash coaching and you'll be on your way. That's themensadvocate.com slash coaching. You've heard her on the Men's Advocate Show with Linda Gross. How can you help further? From her Facebook fan page of the same name. Hit the Shop Now button and save this link to your favorites. Make all your usual Amazon purchases, and some of the revenue will support her show at no additional cost to you. No book purchase required. Just start with this link every time. The Men's Advocate Show with Linda Gross thanks you. The Men's Advocate Show with Linda Gross. We will be discussing men's issues, dating, relationships, sex, women, fitness, health, business, men's hobbies, men's rights, and more. She will be talking about excerpts from her men's book, Mastering Women, too. Google KMET Advocate and save to your favorites every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time. We proudly rejoin our programming with The Men's Advocate Show with your host, Linda Gross. On KMET, 1490 AM, Smart Talk.
Welcome back, everybody. You're currently listening to the Men's Advocate Show with me, your host, Linda Gross. Today, we are talking about parental alienation from a child's point of view. We have my guest on today, Ryan Thomas. You can find him at ryanthomasspeaks.com. He's got a whole host of ways to help you solve your problem with your child, with regard to, um, he has videos, free training, online courses, he's got a book, coaching, um, you know, live seminars, and any and all of the above, and he's a great guest, and I'm so proud and excited to have him here today, and we're going to continue our conversation. So before we left for the break, I was talking about, you know, the the parent mistakenly thinks, oh, I'm just going to get my kid a cell phone, but that often doesn't work. So Ryan, how would you still keep that parent connected? And as we were saying before the break, that consistency factor is so important. But if that tie is severed, how do you stay in touch? Absolutely. So the the uh, strategy that I use is what I call the VOA method. It's called validate, be the opposite, and ask. And I'll just briefly explain it. Obviously, you can get very complex, but it's really my go-to strategy to start hitting the reset button no matter how bad things have gotten. So you can kind of create a new foundation and begin to actually start making a connection again. And the first part of that is validate. Children who have gone through uh, the alienation process and are living and breathing this anxiety and stress, they want someone to pay for their tears. They want someone to validate the emotions that they're feeling. And so often alienated parents who haven't done anything wrong say, well, how can I apologize? I, I didn't abandon my child or I didn't say these things to my child. I didn't do these things to my child. And yet so they spend all their time saying, no, that's not true. And again, the child, the wall goes up. So I always talk about how can you make sure that you can express to your child, I, I'm so sorry that you felt like I abandoned you. I'm so sorry that you felt like I was demeaning you. I'm so sorry that you felt like I was putting other things beside, uh, you know, ahead of you. And then I realized that when I tried to talk to you, when I tried to, to explain things, oh my gosh, that only made things worse because then you thought, so it really allows the child to feel like they've been heard. And guess what? In an alienation situation where they have to toe the line, they have to say and do the right things to keep themselves uh, stable, no one is hearing their voice. So that allows the the child to express himself and to let the, the child feel like, you know what, somebody heard me. And of all people, it's the alienating parent. It's the parent that I'm not supposed to like. Now, big caveat, it's not that when you employ a strategy like this, you're going to hear back, oh, thank you so much. I'm so grateful that you said this. Sure, it's possible. The most likely is, look, they've heard it. It's like you can't unring a bell. The child's heard it. They've experienced it from you. And that can at least begin to then start letting that wall down. And then the next part is be the opposite. Because if you've been dealing with this for a while, there's a pattern of behavior, this ping pong back and forth of understandable emotion and phrases and expectations. They think they know how you're going to behave, and it's probably true because you've been fighting this for a while. So how can you change things up and be the exact opposite of what they expect? And then the last part is ask them a question. Again, a child in an alienation is always being shut down. We want you to be the one that's asking a question to your child so that they start feeling, again, engaged. It doesn't matter what their answer is. It doesn't matter if they say, the heck with you, I'm not answering your question, whatever that is. Again, the act of asking a question, the act of being the opposite, the act of validating their emotions puts you in a much better position. I actually have on my website right now uh, a free video training and guide uh, at ryanthomasspeaks.com uh, of my number one favorite question. Dig into this deep and explain what's the goal, what's the purpose, why is it so effective. But this alone has helped parents really reconnect with their children after, you know, four, seven years 
of this type of behavior, but it's really doing it in a in an effective, strategic way, but that still flies under the radar. So that even if an alienator intercepts that letter and says, oh, look at them, and they go point for point about why it's so terrible, you're at least in a position where your child has heard heard these words, heard this different style of communication. And that is what, again, I know to be uh, in real life, making progress, making a difference. And I know from my own real experience, there were some things that I just simple things I wanted my dad to say. And he didn't know, he didn't know what he was supposed to apologize for. He didn't know what was going on. And, and that could have really helped our relationship. But unfortunately, nobody ever told him, you know, he didn't have somebody like me, you know, whispering in his ear, try this, do this. Um, so he just kept with, well, I didn't do anything wrong. Um, you don't understand. That's not how it happened. And it just unfortunately never got us anywhere, uh, much to my dad's best efforts and, and desire to really patch things up. It, it's when desire isn't enough, you actually need different strategies and different tools. And, and that's, that's what much of my work is. So that VOA method uh, is something that you really want to think about. Gotcha. Turns out that we have a caller on the line. Welcome to the show. I think we have Lily. Yes. Hello. Hi, Lily. What city are you calling from? Morinarelli. Okay, great. Do you have a comment or a question for me or my guest, Ryan? Well, I have a comment. I have, I was having a very difficult time with my, my youngest, and they came to the point, it was like a three-year struggle. Finally, I just had to learn to just accept it and not be pushing it anymore. And every time she called me, even tell her it's only going to be a 10-minute call. You know, the less that I could speak with her, the better. And believe it or not, after a while, she started asking me more, like, I want to talk to you a little longer, you know. And I would tell her, honey, I have things to do. I have, you know, I'm going places and stuff. I'm not sitting around waiting for her. You know, and it changed. The relationship changed because I finally went neck, neck, neck. How come you don't call me? You have a cell phone on you all the time. Pick it up. Answer it when I call you. I would text her long texts. And, you know, I was just stressing out and killing myself and, you know, worrying constantly because why doesn't she want to open up to me? But when I finally pulled back and, and really kind of, you know, just let it go, I hated that. Every time speak, my friends would tell me, let it go. I used to just, oh, scream because I hated it. But it's true. Let it go. Give them the... Wow. Yeah, but sometimes letting go, might the child might get the impression that you, you don't want to be involved in their life. Well, I, I have a distinction that I think that Lily picked up on, or at least that I picked up on, is... Sometimes you have to treat your you have to change your your communication in the way like if it's not working you have to change something and when I hear some of what she what Lily used is she retrained her child to believe that she could have quick safe communication and that she could talk to her mom and the sky wouldn't fall so some simple things that parents can do is when you're used to sending long emails it's like us in our daily life we get an email and it looks like it's a book. You're like, oh, this is going to be a lot of drama. Yet when you get three or four sentences or a small paragraph, it's like, oh, good, digestible, consumable. It's nice. It's frequent. There's some good aspects to it. It's not high drama. And then you create that consistency of communication that says every time something shows up from mom or dad in my inbox or in my text, it's not going to be you know, a four-alarm fire of drama so I, what I take from that is, uh, you know, and what I would kind of impart and what I do impart is make your communication less dramatic, more just positive, short bursts, and, and actually let the child draw into you a little bit more instead of trying to force feed them. That's, that's really where uh, – that's what I take from, from Lily's conversation. 
Um, but I, th- I, but I think also to your point, Linda, you know, you don't, you want to be very careful with like, Hey, look, I got other things going on. I don't have time to just be sitting around. I actually think that something like that, she's lucky because I think something like that could actually have undone the progress that she made. So, uh, my dad does a really great thing where he talks about, you don't have to move on from the relationship, but you can continue to move forward in your own life. And moving forward means you can actually do both. You can still have a life, but you can also still keep your child, uh, you know, keep in, in, in communication with your child. Gotcha. Lily, in your situation, did you guys have 50-50 custody or was the other parent the custodial parent? How did that work out? Um, the other her father just deserted us when she was four months old. Never seen him ever again. And she finally, you know, I had to talk to her and say, I did the best that I could with the resources I had. I'm sorry. I did apologize. I'm sorry that I wasn't there for you when you had special events at school or because I was working. I was providing, you know, to the best that I could. Mm-hmm. But now, like I said, it was three years of struggle. And my, my other two kids, you know, mom, you know, I'm sorry that you're having this difficult and stuff. But, again, I was being stubborn. I wanted my time with her, and, and she better answer the phone. And, and believe me, every time we talked, we, it was always a screaming battle. Finally, one day, I, again, I'm very uh, faithful in going to church, and I listen to John 10.10, 10, where the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy. I just on, hold on to that scripture, and I said, no more. I'm not going to let the enemy kill my joy. Whatever little bit I can get from her, even if it's every three weeks, hi, babies, how are you doing? And that's it. And she'll say, hi, Mom. And that's it. That was fine with me. Hmm. I think that's a really good point, at least, again, what I would say is it's also about managing your expectations. Um, unfortunately, parents who are dealing with this type of alienation, it's devastating. You, you know, you, okay, you go through a divorce, you know it's going to be difficult, but to have your child reject you or cut you off or the rest of your family, you know, you're, you're not prepared for that. It's it's the ultimate kick in the gut, pull the rug out from under you, and and so – when you have normal expectations of, well, I'm the parent and the child should act this way, unfortunately, it's again, it just doesn't apply. So I always look at, say, how can we create expectations that even if it is one text message back, you go, that's progress. That's progress that I can work to. I'm always trying to communicate a little bit here so that in two weeks I can have another piece of communication. It's really the long game and the parents that I've worked with, especially on the one-to-one basis, when we can say, look, for a year from now, let's see if we can get to this point. And somebody would say, this point, that's, you know, that's crazy. You know, just having a lunch with your daughter, yeah, you know what, it might be that. But it's those little consistencies over time and not letting your expectations, again, emotionally, I understand it, but you can start having progress and then it's like, well, this is, I deserve more than this. I'm sick of getting crumbs. Again, un- emotionally, I understand that. And then you lash out to your child and you've undone, you know, three, eight months worth of progress. And a lot of times parents don't realize that they're closer to where they want to be than they sometimes know because the child you know, can't even admit it to themselves um, or can't let alone someone else that they were wrong. I mean, you talk about the guilt that I felt. What did I do this to my dad? It's a lot easier to continue to, to, to dislike someone and keep someone away than it is to admit I've been treating my own parent pretty poorly. Um, so just, again, for parents, keep that in mind and, and reset your expectations so that you can actually celebrate the little wins and know that it's all leading to something greater. Um, it's when your expectation of being a quote-unquote normal parent, that's what really messes you up. But you just have to accept the reality so that you can get yourself and change your reality and get yourself out of the current situation eventually. Absolutely. I think that really benefited Lily. I think the the key thing in her situation was she reset the expectation. And, you know, when you make that adjustment, then what you receive back from the other person, in this case the child, is going to also be different. And luckily it worked out for both of them. So I'm really proud of you that the the road that you took, Lily. And, And that is the key word, expectation. 
I whatever I did for her, now I don't expect anything back. If she calls me, she calls me. If she doesn't, she doesn't. But she knows I'm here. And she even told me, you know, we've been spending more time, you know, going to the zoo, taking a date trip, you know, and stuff like that. And before yeah. I would ask her to do stuff like that, she would she wouldn't even answer my call. But like I said, I find it, letting go is hard. But I had to expect that. What did I do wrong? And I wouldn't even ask her. She couldn't tell me. So I said, okay, fine. You take your road. I take my road. But I'm here for you. I'm your mother. I'll always be your mother. You had to let go in order to get more. And that, that's, that's very big of you. I'm glad you came to that realization. Thank you so much, Lily, for calling Thank the show. You. Do call again. And we appreciate your call. Um, we have a couple of minutes left here. And, Ryan, I want to uh, rack your brain on what are the three elements that you write about that help save the relationship between the parent and the child? I'm sorry, I couldn't hear that. It jumped out. I couldn't sorry. hear that. I'm sorry. The three key elements that you talk about that help save the relationship sure, between sure. parent and child. I think the biggest thing that you do have to do is you have to get a, a different perspective. Um, you start accepting where your child is at. So I really look at number one, understand how your child's mind works. Number two, get new tools, new strategies so that you can change your behavior. You have to change first in order to change how your child thinks, ultimately how they act. And then, you know, get some support, whether it's with someone like me or a counselor or a therapist or a coach. Um, so that in real time, you can have somebody who's helping you stay on track, not let your emotions get the best of you, and, and just respond and react differently than you ever have before. Great. Thank you so much for joining us uh, today um, on our show. You're, you've been listening to my guest, Ryan Thomas Speaks.com. Ryan Thomas Speaks.com is where you can find him. By the way, I'll put all the links on my Facebook fan page after the show. If you enjoyed our show today, show your love. Listen, call, like our fan page, follow, comment, share, tell a friend, start with my Amazon link, and download my app and buy my book. Those are all ways that you can and help support the show. Ryan, thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. I hope our paths will cross again really soon. Maybe you'll have me on your show or I'll have you again on our show. Um, this was really a pleasure. Well, thank you and great job on everything you're doing. Keep up the great work and thanks so much. It's been a pleasure and thanks to your audience for listening. Thank you. All right, everyone, um, please uh, listen to our show. We're here each and every Wednesday, 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern Time. We'll see you next week on the Men's Advocate Show.